to The Truth in His Art. I am your host, Rob Lee, and my next guest is a Delaware-born interdisciplinary artist whose work has been exhibited in American art galleries, primarily on the East Coast. His artistic process expands beyond a singular medium due to several years of applied studies in visual art, communicative art, as well as photography. Please welcome Aleem Smith. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Hello, everybody. It's Aleem Smith from Wilmington, Delaware, as he just stated. It's a pleasure to be here, man. I think, yeah, absolutely. I think you might be the first Delawarean. Is that what you guys are called? What do you, what are you guys called? We are called Delawareans, and that's probably true. It's not not a lot of people from Delaware doing a, a bunch of stuff, but there's a few. There's some artists that are making some waves out here. I feel like Delaware Wolf is a missed opportunity, but we'll talk about that later. Delaware Wolf? What's Delaware Wolf? I just feel like there should be like werewolves from Delaware. Oh, that would be... <laughs> it sounds right. Have you ever been to Delaware? I've been through Delaware. Not. I, I never stayed, but I, I the part I was through, um, I was going up there to Rhode Island. It looked beautiful. It's one of my next kind of little staycation situations because I'm on the East Coast as well in Baltimore. Oh, oh, perfect. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, this is perfect for a little chill getaway. Like, oh, so yeah. many parks and trees, and it's beautiful. And it basically, like, shuts down at, like, 6 p.m. Like, I could imagine werewolves walking around. Like, it's, like, <laughs> empty at 6. At 6 p.m., it's empty. I'm just giving you source material for one of my later questions. So, let's, let's, so I want to start <laughs> off by asking uh, you to tell us a little bit about yourself, your background. Where did you grow up? And, you know, what are some of those early visual experiences that, or personal history that led you to art making? Oh, all right, so I grew up in uh, Wilmington, Delaware, two-parent household or, like, small apartment, but it felt spacious and luxurious. Um, some of my earliest memories of art, do you remember, what was the name of this video game? It was, it was like, Super, Super Mario Paint. Oh, snap. Okay. I had Super Mario Paint, and there was, like, a little pad and a little mouse pad, and you could draw. You could do, like, it was, like, the first digital art program. Hell yeah. I don't really even remember using it, but my friend says I would be on it for hours. <laughs> and then one of my other, like, first, first memories with art, I remember I had a project where I had to draw fire in kindergarten for something. I, don't, I mean, I just had to just draw fire. And I remember my brother and my mom were pointing out to me that there were more colors in fire than just red. This is true. Yeah, and they were like, it's blues, it's oranges, it's whites. And I think that that opened my mind up so much at a young age to just look at things differently. That's really cool. I, I, I think that's one of the things that young kids, uh, it's just like, y'all like drawing fire. I'm going to make fire today. This is going to be great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's like trying to draw and this is this is going to be a reference uh, this is how i know how old you are based on if you get this reference uh how many colors is in bam bam bigelow's like wrestling tights you know it's like that's the question <laughs> oh, damn i'm probably old enough to know but i might not have been paying attention to bam bam bigelow oh his his um his wrestling tights were black with flames throughout them. And they were like orange, red, with purple on it. So, yeah. Uh, and he had tattoos of fire on his head. Oh, dang. I want to look at a picture of him right now. <laughs> he's, a, he's a really big guy, too. He's like like 400 pounds. and sh um, Really agile wrestler. Um, WWE, early 90s. Let's get it. Um, so, I read that your style of art has been described as Afro-surrealism. So can you expound on it? Can you define that and describe that for us? 
how would I, I ask every, I've, I've gotten this question a few times and I'm still, I mean, there, <laughs> for anybody listening, you can Google the Afro Surrealist Manifesto. The word was like created in like the 40s or 50s. To me, I just look at it as being black and weird. <laughs> like that's, <laughs> if I was to sum it up, just this space where you can just be black and weird, which I feel like a lot of black creatives art falls under even if they associate themselves with that word or not i feel like a lot of people's work falls under that umbrella yeah uh and 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 as a person who is a black weirdo um Mm -hmm. yeah i mean some of us go into podcasting and ask really off-color questions that have that that culture element to it it's like certain questions like yeah what you put in your greens Right. Like, like you like sugar in your spaghetti? Like, what do you, you know, mm-hmm. that, that are kind of those fringe <laughs> questions that have nothing to do with the interview, but you right. use it as a checking mechanism. So, yeah, I mean, but I think there are definitely elements of memes in your work and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, your that, that term is interesting, but your, your work is very intriguing to me. And that's going to be another question that comes up at the very end that we're going to talk about. Um, so, but I read this going back. Because I wanted to at least start with the Afro-surrealism point. But going mm-hmm. back, I read that you sold your first piece of art in middle school. Is that true? And tell me more about that. I definitely did to one of my mom's co-workers. She wanted a portrait drawn of her. That was like one of the first pieces I ever sold. And then I I, um, I always had a weird taste in my mouth about art. Because I went to an art school for middle school and high school. Mm-hmm. But it was mostly like old old european art and that's all they taught us about they didn't teach us about anything current or modern right. and and so i kind of just was like off art but i could draw but i was mostly inspired by hip-hop in my approach and how i like approach selling art promoting it and all of that so when i was 18 me and my friend we um drew a picture of obama we drew a portrait mm-hmm. and we were like all we got to do <laughs> is sell like <laughs> 500 of these for $10. And we ended up probably selling like a thousand or over a thousand. And we would go door to door. Like I was looking at like mixtapes. I, I didn't care about selling the original. I still got the original of that picture. Actually. We were nice. going door to door. We were going to barbershops. We were going to churches. We pulled up at the inauguration. We we were just <laughs> hustling it like we were selling the mixtape. Yeah. So do you... So early on, like having that experience of selling that that first piece when you were in middle school and it just kind of like you always had your eye in, in that art entrepreneur kind of kind of middle point space. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I like that comparison to selling mixtapes or what have you, because it's a grind and it's a hustle or what have you. And, you know, I think and, and, and maybe maybe you can ex- maybe you can tell give your take on this. But I think that a lot of times this kind of traditional art world as far as like selling the art and so on, you, they, you turn yourself into a commodity. You're at will making yourself a commodity to, in some instances, get pimped. And if you're doing it, you know, on yourself, taking that by yourself and kind of taking that mixtape kind of DIY approach, because if your artwork is DIY, you're doing the work, then if you're enterprising and able to sell your stuff in a way that is getting, keeping you fed, keeping a roof over your head, keeping you with supplies, why, why is that like looked down upon, you know? I think it's because art, just the idea around art is just like bouginess mm. and like selling a line on a canvas for like a million dollars. Like that's the idea around it. 
Yeah. But like, as far as like being black in our culture and growing up in, a, I was born in 1990, growing up, some of the first people I seen become super wealthy were hip hop artists. Yeah. yeah. And they started with these just small independent grinds and just took it to the max. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, there, there are certain pockets of people who want to celebrate that. And there are other pockets who kind of diminish that as it's almost like that new money conversation or this mm-hmm. new entrepreneur. And it's like, that's not the same. It's like at the end of the day, if the language is money and they got it and you got it, then what are we doing here? Yeah. What are we talking about? <laughs> I, I was born in 85. That's why my Bam Bam Bigelow reference didn't land as well as I was hoping. <laughs> oh man. Um, so I read that your process starts off with turn um, by turning on a podcast or an album. Thinking of um, your memorable work, what, was there a soundtrack to that creative process? Like you're working on something, you're like, "Yo, I definitely got to put this like Jay Z joint on," or I got to put you know some 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 project on. Like when you were working on the "In Living Color" by Black History, were you playing like New Jack Swing? What was happening? Nah, I, I should have been playing New Jack Swing. I was playing like I was playing a lot of Buster Rhymes. As you should. I should be playing Buster Rhymes. I feel like I was playing mostly Buster Rhymes, but I, was that was that like 2015, 20? I but, but, probably was playing a lot of Kendrick when I was working on that series, to be honest. So, so step back, describe that series for those who may not have seen it. Cause I, I, they're, you know, one of the things that comes out of this podcast is, you know, people may not know about every piece of your work. They may know you from this or that. So, so I get, I get it. It's not a visual medium, but, uh, describe what that, that, that project was about. All right. So the Living Color series, I don't know why I've just always felt like I had to drop a series. Well, because I'm black. I always felt like I should drop a <laughs> Every time. Should, every time you do something, just say, because I'm black. Because I'm black. Cause, all right. So I always like plan to like create series of artwork during February. Yeah. And um, I was just tired of the stereotypical black history people and figures you always see. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to think about who mattered to me? Like, who are my icons? Like, I was probably more inspired by Martin Lawrence than Martin Luther King. <laughs> nice. So I wanted to create a series of all of the cultural icons that influenced how I decided to dress, how I decided to talk, walk, what I thought was funny, what I thought was dope. And I painted them in these, I guess it's abstract, in, this, this, in these distorted portraits with pastels, most of those are like chalk. Yeah. Chalk on canvas. Oh. Um, with pastels and like acrylic backgrounds for the canvas. And yeah, it was just me, my interpretation of my black history. So when you think about your black history, do you do the same thing that I do when I think about my black history? I do this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do that every time. Whenever there's anything else, like, yeah, hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I feel like it's, I do it's so that stupid. It's so stupid. Nah, but I feel like that's the feeling. Yeah, <laughs> that's the feeling right there. Mm-hmm. It's just like how that makes me think of Wu Tang. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, I think that that's cl- that's 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 clear though. That's Claro when you you say these are my these are my representatives, right? Of mm-hmm. how I look at the culture, how I look at what represents me. Um, 
I think that there's definitely a fair amount of overlap that's there. And I remember growing up, you would see the same thing, those same kind of, at least in, at least in Baltimore, you would yeah. have these kind of like printouts, these, these drawn versions of, you know, he's, he's canceled now, but you got like Bill Cosby entertainer is like, uh, yes. and you would just see like the same people every year and having that shift of what does black history look like? What do black creators look like? We didn't stop in the 80s. We, 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 as we've gotten bigger and more uh, a crossover appeal, right? We got to we got to update that. We got to we got to refresh that data. We so have like, to. So I like that, that that you did that and you put your your spin on it um, because I think that's important. It's like when you have rappers, right? A lot of those instances they would exclude rappers, mm-hmm. and it really tells you, it really dates itself. So to your point, if you're born in the 90s. And then there's no rappers in the conversation of what you're seeing in like black history representation. That's nuts. It's, it's something's missing. Something's an oversight. Yeah. Who did this? Yeah, something's crazy. If Alan Iverson's braids ain't in a conversation, what are we talking about? Right. Right. Like there's so many man, if he was born in the nineties, there's so many moments that are just historical now. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, if your things are still moonwalking, we got issues, uh, mm-hmm. you know. And, and then the other thing is, it's like there are certain industries that black representation wasn't in. If you go yes. back far enough and it's just like, yeah, where are your clothing designers? It's like, no, let's let's upgrade that. Let's, you know, pay homage to who was mm-hmm. there, but also let's make it expansive. Yes. Let's take it to a whole new level. So who or what? Uh, were the strongest influences on you growing up in ter- in these terms, artists, movies, cartoons, comics, etc. In a in a pop culture kind of way, what was that strongest influence for you? Perfect. I love this question. <laughs> Who are I? So, Alan Iverson's braids. <laughs> yes, Alan Iverson's braids. That was a pivotal role in my development as a child. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, nah, I mean. I sh- Heck, yeah, I definitely got braids because of, because of Allen Iverson. Like, I'm not even going to front on that. Like, right. I definitely got braids because of AI. Um, cartoons, comic books, pop culture artists. MC Escher is not like, uh, it's not really like pop culture, but that was like a big influence to me. I remember in sixth grade, I seen one of his books, a book of his art, in one of my classes, and I stole it, and I still have it. <laughs> Really? And I just thought it was so fire because it was like, to me, it was like the perfect marriage of creativity and absolute skill. Who else? Dr. Seuss, even though he came up with a racist, he had like racist drawings he did or whatever. I didn't know nothing about that when I was reading all the places you'll go. So that was his art was a huge inspiration to me. And I would say Dolly, but I really think that I like Dolly because of Dr. Seuss. Really? Because I feel like a lot of those pictures and a lot of those warped houses and a lot of those crazy landscapes, that was my introduction to surrealism. That's legit. That's legit. Are you going to do your mustache like Dolly's by any chance? I, I, it kind of grows like that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that. Like he, he was he is a weirdo, though. I mean, have an, an ant eater, have an anteater, having weird um, untoward parties. Uh, mm-hmm. And just the fact he had a little bit of an ego. Well, not a little bit. Sorry. He had an ego. It was like, yeah, ego. this is this way because I am Dali. It's like, oh, right. I love I am, it. <laughs> I'm here for it. I, I think. I don't know. Like I look at like this, right? I look at this podcast thing as a creative practice. For me, it is my mm-hmm. creative practice. And 
I look back like probably like 13 years ago, 12 years ago to like kind of Kevin Smith, because as far as like uh, clerks and all of that stuff, he transitioned mm-hmm. from doing the movies into more of a podcast uh, podcast based uh, form of expression and then like talk radio. But the key component in it is we didn't have that representation in it in a way, at least for the stuff that I like. You know how you'll, you'll hear like that morning zoo stuff? Didn't really mm-hmm. like that as much. Or mm-hmm. when you hear black radio, it kind of has like a corny vibe to it. It's like, all right. Yeah. Where are the weirdos? You know what I mean? Where are the people who are into the diverse things other than, yeah, man, for the culture, we're doing this. Yeah, and just prank calls, and that's it. Yeah, you can add something to it. It's like, yo, I know, and maybe it's like, I know that there are are people who are interested in having like interesting conversations that aren't always, yo, we're doing a trap podcast. You know when you add trap in front of something? Yeah, that... <laughs> trap yoga, trap brunch. <laughs> So I think that that's the only way I can articulate what I mean Jeez, by this. It's crazy. It's trap everything. We're doing like trap accounting. Like, yeah, you don't want to <laughs> do that. I can't stand that stuff either. Like, just <laughs> do accounting, man. Why it got to be in the trap? Like, I don't think you want to have an accountant in the trap either because of, nah. uh, <laughs> somebody's going to snitch. And I'm sure it's going to be the accountant. I've seen yes. King of New York. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> so all right close cl- now this is gonna be a little work here close your eyes and describe an artwork from memory right think of that last piece of art that you've seen that really resonated with you and why do you remember what you remembered and, and why did you forget what you forgot about my artwork or any artwork just what whatever comes to mind whether you're let's say you're in a studio right now you looked at one of your pieces um, uh-huh. what recently just crossed your, 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 your face across your eyes, um, from an art, art perspective. The most recent picture that I remember that I really, really love. Cause I usually like when I was growing up, I absolutely couldn't stand like the, just throw some paint on a canvas, but have some deep meaning behind it. So now it means something, but my friend, Chris Clark, he yeah. did a piece. It's a white background and there's a small black line going across the bottom of the canvas. And then there's one tiny red line over top of the black, the black line. And it represents redlining. And I'm like, this is the dopest way to simply make that. Yeah. I've never, that's the dopest way to do it. That's like minimalism. <laughs> yes. He did a, yes. He did a minimalist piece on redlining. And I'm like, that is so fire. <laughs> and so was it the, the colors that stuck out, the minimalism that stuck out? What really resonated for you with that piece? Because you're, you're, you're describing it from memory. And yeah. it makes me want to see it. And, that, and that's an exercise, right? Like, mm-hmm. you, you know, when someone says, oh, well, when I think of one of Aline's pieces, it's like, oh, I'm going to look at the eyes being this sort of way. I'm going to look like, oh, that's Jay-Z right there. So yep. what about your man's piece that really stuck out for you? Was it the color? Or was it the, the messaging that was there? It was, I value so much the ability to express an idea in the simplest way possible. Mm. The fact that he could, the fact that he just has three colors on a canvas. But if you, if someone was just to say red line, you'd be like, oh my God, I get it. That's perfect. That's, <laughs> that's perfect. You did it. I did it's it. just how yeah, simple, yeah. how simply he was able to express something that's such a large concept. <laughs> That's that's legit. I, and I think I, I appreciate that, too, when someone's able to take something that has a lot of different layers to it and just put it out there in an authentic, like, like an authentic way that is accessible. Like, mm-hmm. 
like what like this is a red line red lining you know that you just feel yes. like someone just, it just pings and hits somebody mm-hmm. and it, it it has a message that because i'm going to assume that your man's is a uh, black dude right yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, it's kind of to say, like, <laughs> we we get it. Like, we know it's good. We know it's up here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got two more real questions for you, and then I got those rapid fire questions that I love. Um, rapid fire questions. I'm sure oh, you're gonna be wait. ready for. I can't wait. Um, can you tell us about your studio? What does a typical day look like? Uh, and do you share space or ideas with other artists when you're working, or is it more of a solitary? Well, actually, it's three questions. So I'm going to start off with the first one. Can you tell us about your typical day and what's that studio situation like? All right, my typical day in the studio. A lot of my art comes to me when I write. So I might put a beat on. I might just listen to some instrumentals. I might start making a song. I've actually have hours and hours of recorded material that I have not shared at all, <laughs> but I like coming up with ideas through words first. Mm-hmm. And then once I come up with something that's like really slick or interesting, then I'll start like constructing the idea and drawing it out and like planning it out. I almost approach like outside of the memes and different things when I'm like trying to make a, a deeper piece, mm-hmm. I'm, almost constructing it like i'm doing architecture or something mm. like i'm really planning it out um so the average day in the studio is me chilling there just thinking about stuff listening to the 85 south show um <laughs> listening to different podcasts might listen to some comedians i might draw or scribble yeah might not i really will just critique my ideas for hours until i find one that is like I like that. As soon as I get that feeling, then I'll start working. I, I, on occasion, like, so I do two other podcasts outside of this. I do something that might be a little 85 South is. And, uh, I find like, you know, I can do these conversations and these are authentic and these are very informational and they're great. And, Mm Then I'm like, I have to have something for that comedic outlet or what have you. And right. I was, you know, going to this screening that I was hosting yesterday and I saw like two people arguing and it was like not a great argument. And it was just like, this is going to end terribly. This is going to be bad or whatever. But then right. I observed what they were wearing and they had like the kind of fuzzy, like fleece that looks like teddy bear fabric. Uh-huh. And I was like, Yo, you can't, you can't threaten nobody wearing like a teddy bear shirt, my guy. I was like, it's just two angry Care Bears out here in the streets of Baltimore. I was like, this ain't nothing. I'm going to get to where I'm going. Right. And it was like, this should have been in a bit. I, I wrote it down. I was like, nah, this is funny. I got to write this down. Got to write that down. It's and, a lot of cute thugs out here. It's a lot of like. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, but that's literally part of a, part of a process for me. Cause I, w- when. I'm feeling like kind of kind of empty in some of these other spots, like when you're not on, because a lot of times you get into spots where you improv. Like I can ask standard questions, but it wouldn't feel like a conversation, right? Mm-hmm. So you got to be able to interject and be able to improv on, on the spot and be able to have funny observations, depending on how the person is and whether they kind of are on the same wavelength. And I feel like you are. Right. And, and that's the thing. But if you're just sitting there, you're like, yo, I'm unfunny. I got nothing interesting to say. Then that makes your questions seem a little like flat and mm-hmm. standard, you know. Uh, so this one I'm I'm interested in. I think it ties a little bit to that that previous question, which is why I think they were together initially. Do you share space or ideas with other artists while you're working, or is it more of a solitary like routine for you? 
Um, I kind of because like I, I'm a huge I'm a huge fan of comedy, like giant fan, and I feel like that's kind of inspired my art practice mm-hmm. a, a bit. So I really try not to even pay attention to what other artists are doing too much. If I see my friends' work, I'll share it. I'm not looking to see what anybody's creating only because, not because I don't love art or anything. I don't, it's so easy to copy. Mm-hmm. It's so easy for, if I see something dope, it's so easy to be like, I want to do that now. Mm-hmm. Damn, yeah. I can't do that now. So I haven't really done a lot of collabing, but I want to start collabing just because I I can't copy what you did, but I think it's so dope. Let's just make something together because I, yeah. I want a part of that. Even if I I can't paint it or do it, I want a part of that just because it's so dope. And I think we can make something dope together. And I just recently, well, not recently, but like a couple years ago, found out that Cubism was made from Picasso collabing with another artist. I was like, oh, well, oh, wow. I want to invent another style. Oh, I want to yeah. invent another genre of art. No, I, 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 I feel the same way. I don't say this too often. I, it's, it's very rare that I listen to podcasts because, uh, you know, they have like, certain ideas on what a podcast is and what it isn't. And Mm -hmm. you start letting that get into what you're doing because, you know, it's a very DIY thing and you want to see what's successful, what sells ultimately, what people are looking for instead of being true to what you want to do. And then it Mm -hmm. muddies it up and then you love it less. And I remember at one point, if I listened to these people, I would have been doing a 20 minute Joe Rogan like podcast and not making any money and hating myself. Yeah. Instead of doing something like this that I find interesting and I get to steal. That's the thing. I get to steal from you artist types all the time. Yeah, yeah. Tell me more about your process. Oh, really? Cubism? Yeah. Right. And I'm going to use it in another podcast. It's like, yeah. So as I was talking to the great Aleem Smith about Cubism, it's just like, shut up. You don't know anything. You know? Mm-hmm. That's dope, though. Yeah. Like, I, I like that idea. I love that. I still, like, I'm actually talking to people mm-hmm. in real life. Mm-hmm. That book's still like an artist. Yes. I, I um when I did the screening yesterday, it was like different people who had been on the podcast who came and I started off, I was like, this this whole movie screen is just a stroke of my ego. I just invite people that have been on my podcast so they can see me run on a stage because they didn't see me in person when we recorded. That's all oh, it that is. That sounds dope though. Now that <laughs> I love that podcast and have become live nowadays. You gotta you gotta come down for the next movie screening, man. Man, I'm down looking what you like two hours away, you ain't even that far. I mean, we're going to do um, Belly, probably. Yeah. A word? Yeah. Uh-huh. When? Um, <laughs> probably first or second week of April. Try to do once a month. Okay, but it's man, fun, that huh? movie has some crazy art in it. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to have, you know, that scene with the uh, contacts. I'm trying to have that vibe when people come in there to the theater. Oh, that'd be fire. So it's going to be like black light, black yes. lit. Yes. Oh, that's going to be fire. Damn, someone's going like to steal my idea. Someone's going to steal my idea. I know it. <laughs> that's going to be fire. That's just me trying to be a curator. Um, mm-hmm. So here's the last question. And this is the biggest one, but I left it for 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 this part, at least the biggest one in, in, in this stage. Right. So how did the opportunity with FS, FX's Atlanta come about and what's been a response so far? And for those, again, who don't know, give them that rundown of what your connection with Atlanta is. All right. So all of this is nuts. This whole Atlanta thing is nuts. Because, all right, so in high school, Donald Glover was a part of like a comedy team called Derek Comedy on YouTube. I have I have missed, what was it, Mystery Team? I have that movie. Yes, yes, yes. A lot of people don't, 
they they got introduced to Childish Gambino and all this other stuff. Uh-huh. I was watching Donald Glover since high school. <laughs> I I remember when his mixtapes were ironic and a joke. Yes. So like I always been a fan. I've I painted him a few times, but not like seriously, but just sketches and stuff. So I don't be all right. So because I've been going on this DIY guerrilla approach to my art and trying to move like hip hop artists. I haven't really reached out for much of anything. I've just been trying to make my own thing as big as I can make it. And one day I just got an email. Like, I I don't know how they found me. I don't know what they was looking for. I just got an email from Eclipse, who is like, uh, they do like all of the billboards for almost every movie and film and show. They hit me up. It was like, would you be interested in working on promo artwork for the next season of Atlanta. I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> of course. <laughs> and then it's like, I'm already working on something right now. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, I'm already, yeah, I was already sketching them anyway. I already painted Lakeith anyway. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, and I didn't know what I was asking for because it was like a seven, seven month process. Wow. So I, right, so like the first month, and I remember because I was drawing sketches and my friend, my friend was driving my car. We were going to some party. And I was like, yo, they just hit me up and then they want sketches. So I'm sketching the back of my friend's car, some random faces. So the first it was the first round was like a test round mm-hmm. just to see if I could do it. I, I wasn't even in there yet. <laughs> they just wanted to see if I could do the work. Mm-hmm. And that took like a whole month and a half. So I got past that round, which was stressful because they hit me every day for a different edit. Like in the whole process, I did over 300, 400 edits. What? Of the same pictures, yo. I mean, this is going to sound wild, but I feel like it's like some white dude saying, look, Donald's nostrils are bigger than that. It's like, look, can you can you be less? That's what I thought. <laughs> That's I feel like edit. it was a sum of that. <laughs> yeah. But I found out later that Donald was involved more. Really? So I, yes. Oh, snap. So like, like, all right, so, all right, so yeah, it's the first round, then the second round, I had to do the exact same thing, but now they gave me like better, hold up, was it, hold up, the second round, I had to do the exact same thing, but now it's in color and they want it to be more detailed and more in depth. Mm-hmm. Then there was a third round where now they have got like pictures of, they have got new pictures of all of the um celebrities in the show. Yeah. So those are my new reference points. So everything from the first round was just to see if I could do it. Mm-hmm. And this is the third round. And I had to draw from those reference photos. And then every single one of the actors had to sign off on their likeness. Wow. So they were able, the actors were able to be like, hey, change this, change that, change this. So it was, it was nuts. And then that was just all digital. Oh. Then no. I had like two months to like <laughs> paint them. Oh, snap. <laughs> and I, w- I didn't just paint the people. And I painted, like, all together, I painted eight portraits. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to paint all of the little background icons, like, several times. I even had to paint just the font Atlanta a bunch of times. I painted so many different little layers. Yeah. It was nuts. But it's worth it. And it was awesome. And it's beautiful. <laughs> but that, that was, like, the most l- laborious thing I've ever done in my life. I would do it again, though, but it, now I know how to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like it completely sharpened my practice. Like I feel like I was in a hyperbolic time chamber. <laughs> and but now I think, I'm like, I feel like I could do more work than I even thought I could do. 
I think that's the thing. Like it's it's the George Frazier thing. Like anything that's an obstacle is just a vitamin. You know, you got to eat mm-hmm. that joint, and then you just take it. And now you're able to stretch and extend. And uh, I think that that's you know your name is in that Rolodex now, and that's yeah. um, that's a plus. And so. As far as like the social media response or the public response, how's that been? And people been hitting you in the DMs for like more like work, commissions, uh, things of that nature? Oh, uh, definitely more commissions. Um, I just sold two pieces to Lena Waith, which is lit. Nice. Congrats. Super duper lit. Thank you. Um, it's just been so much love. It's been mad love. I think it's because people have been seeing me grind it out <laughs> for, for a while. Great. That is great. Yeah, man. And and I think, you know, that's what really resonated with me. Like, literally, I love Atlanta and I want to have a Baltimore equivalent of it. Like we were saying earlier, there's weird yes. shit that happens everywhere. And mm-hmm. Baltimore is like weird AF. So it's like, yo, can we have the black weirdness? Like we can sell drugs in there or whatever, if that's what yeah. you need. But also we need to have this like, yeah, I got to go to the like art store to get like plaster so I can make this crack and mm-hmm. figure that out. <laughs> I like like all of my like weed has like my graffiti signature on on it it's like i got my tag on it you know it's whatever nah you that, that would be so lit in baltimore because there's so there's such an alternative artsy eclectic scene at the same time as like some super hardcore shit going on at the same time absolutely born and bred man yeah uh, so again and and like i said your work is like fire what have you it really sticks out it's really unique while Thank having you, this classic sense to it so i i really dig it um so now all of the goodwill that I've established with you, I feel like we have a kinship here. Now yes. I'm gonna now I'm gonna piss it all away with my rapid fire questions. Let's go. All right. <laughs> rapid fire, you know how it works. You've done it before, I'm sure. Uh favorite 90s TV show. Martin. Whose TV's Black Dad? Uncle Phil. You get it. You fucking get it. Uh favorite <laughs> meme of 2022. Dang, of 2022? Of 2022? Yeah, I know we're only a couple of months in, but still, you know, I, we got... I, I, I don't... Those Hotep memes didn't come out in 2022, did they? No, they came out a little further back. They're great, though. They're, uh, 2022, 2022 meme. Uh, not a, I'll give you the, 2021. The, 2021. Nate that's Robinson just making... getting knocked out then. Oh, my God. That's so funny. <laughs> 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 he took that out. He <laughs> caught that in HD. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Three colors that are always on your palette. Since you're you're a painter, so you gotta, you know, which one are always on your palette? Teal, pink, and white. What are you in Miami? What are you what are you saying? <laughs> I like those colors. They just like electric. Those colors pop. They hard. They, I just they, like those colors. It's There's like, some very vice city colors right there. Absolutely. I was like, are you rolling up your <laughs> sleeves? Like, what are you wearing, Don Johnson? Uh last question I have. I added this since we were talking because again, kinship. Favorite comedian. Well, okay, favorite living comedian. Oh, <laughs> well, it's got to be Chappelle. But if it wasn't living, I would probably say Patrice O'Neill. You, Patrice, we, you, you, I'm giving you my number after that. So that's my favorite. Nah, comedian. we homies, dog. That's Patrice my favorite comedian. <laughs> <laughs> dog, I was living my life like that for a while. I was like, yes. where's, where's my leather jacket? <laughs> yes, in my hat. Yeah, sir. Patrice so, the goat. Absolutely. So. There you have it. Um, I want to. I want to thank you for being on this podcast. And thank two, you, man. Absolutely. And two, I want to invite you to tell the folks where to check out your work and where to, you know, find some damn artwork. Where to shoot a commission situation. Where can they check oh, yeah. you out? All right, you can check me out on Instagram and Twitter at Yesterday Night 
Y-E-S-T-E-R-D-A-Y-N-I-T-E. And also, you can find me at afrosurrealism.com. So there you have it, folks. Again, yes. I want to thank Aleem Smith for coming onto the podcast, bringing some class here. Um, and I'm Rob Lee saying that there's art in and around your city. You just got to look for it. Oh,